Hello, and welcome to Mixed DNA Podcast, the podcast with two mixed race hosts talking about any and everything. Each week, we pick a topic, do some research, throw in our own thoughts and opinions, and put everything together to share here. I'm Melissa. And I'm Vanessa. Today, we are going to talk about one of my favorite franchises, which exists in the MCU, Marvel Cinematic Universe. I do love some movies more than others, but overall, the connections of the characters and universes are amazing. Melissa, what is your knowledge of the MCU? I know of the MCU, obviously, and most of the characters, maybe even all, at least by name. But I do have to admit that I haven't watched many of the movies, maybe a handful. I mean, I know all the actors who've been invited into the glorious MCU, so I have a basic foundation of knowledge at the least. But as an avid TV watcher, I haven't really dabbled with any of the TV series either, except Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I watched that one. And I apologize in advance to Vanessa and to our listeners that my knowledge collectively of the MCU is not that great. Well, today will be some education for you regarding mostly the BIPOC characters of the MCU and who they are played by. But for those who don't know, we will start with what exactly MCU is and entails. The Marvel Cinematic Universe is an American media franchise and shared universe centered on a series of superhero films produced by Marvel Studios. The films are based on characters that were created by Stan Lee from his many, many comic book series and appear in American comic books published by Marvel Comics. Stan Lee was born on December 28, 1922 in Manhattan, New York City. Quick side note, Stanley's parents were Romanian-born, Jewish immigrant parents. Oh, I thought that was pretty cool. Anyway, in an interview from 2011, he was asked about his Romanian heritage, and they asked if he visited Romania, which unfortunately he did not. He said his parents didn't teach him Romanian, which I think is a shame. But he was also a comic book writer, editor, publisher, and producer, later had a very successful business called Timely Publications, which would later become Marvel Comics. He co-created very iconic characters, including superheroes Spider-Man, the X-Men, Iron Man, Thor, the Hulk, Ant-Man, the Wasp, the Fantastic Four, Black Panther, Daredevil, Doctor Strange, the Scarlet Witch, and Black Widow. The order of the MCU universe begins with Iron Man in 2008, which began the films of Phase 1, culminating in the crossover film The Avengers in 2012. Phase 2 began with Iron Man 3, 2013, and concluded with Ant-Man in 2015. Phase 3 began with Captain America the Civil War in 2016 and concluded with Spider-Man Far From Home in 2019. The first three phases in the franchise are collectively known as the Infinity Saga. The films of Phase 4 began with Black Widow in 2021. The MCU franchise also includes short films, television series, and literature. The shared universe, much like the original Marvel Universe and comic books, was established by crossing over common plot elements, settings, cast, and characters. I love all these movies and have definitely seen them all more than once, twice, or thrice. Some movies are better than others, like I said, but that's usually the case with everything. Now that you have a background on these movies and how they came to be, we wanted to focus on BIPOC in the MCU and see how it has progressed. We will start in order, of course, first with Iron Man. Iron Man is about a very wealthy American business tycoon, playboy, philanthropist, inventor, and ingenious scientist. In the first movie, it shows how he suffers a severe chest injury during a kidnapping. His captors try to force him to build a weapon of mass destruction, but instead, he creates a mechanized suit of armor to save his life and escape. After he escapes, he works on the suit and develops it by adding weapons and other devices designed through his company, Stark Industries. At first, he conceals his identity, but then eventually re reveals himself publicly. 
James Rhodes is Stark's best friend and was portrayed in the movies by Terrence Howard and Don Cheadle. I like Don Cheadle as an actor, and even though I haven't seen these movies, I know he would do the character justice. I also love Don Cheadle. He's cool. Uh, they, they both make him sincere, but I like Cheadle better. I think he did it better. It's a little sad for Terrence Howard because he and his father were Iron Man fans, mostly because Rhodes was one of the first black superheroes when he was a child. He was contracted to play Rhodes in the first installment of the Iron Man series in 2008. Howard was signed on before any other major actors and was the highest paid actor in the film. John Favreau, the director, cast Howard for Rhodes because he felt he could play War Machine in a sequel. War Machine is a superhero in the Marvel Universe and an ally of Iron Man. Howard prepared for the role by visiting Nellis Air Force Base on March 16, 2007, where he ate with the pilots and observed HH-60, Pav, Hawk, rescue helicopters, and F-22 Raptors. And like me, Howard was a fan of Robert Downey Jr. from Weird Science, which is literally one of my favorite movies of all time. I love it. Robert Downey Jr. is definitely one of my favorite actors. Being the highest paid actor on the first Iron Man didn't last. Entertainment Weekly reported that Howard was offered a 50 to 80% pay cut for Iron Man 2, but it was not made clear as to if that is the reason why Howard turned down the role, although it sounds like it might have. After that, there was a contract dispute between Howard and Marvel Studios, and that's how Don Chino was cast to play War Machine, which is James Rhodes, and he has portrayed the character for the rest of the MCU appearances. Isaac Perlmutter, who previously overseen the development of Marvel Studios, was alleged to have been removed from that, which is a great thing because this idiot stated that he replaced Howard with Cheadle on the grounds that, quote unquote, black people look the same. Apparently, someone with knowledge of his creative approach said, however, that Perlmutter neither discriminates nor cares about diversity. He just cares about what he thinks will make money. I mean, I think it's pretty clear from his comment that he definitely does discriminate. He could have just said Cheeto was a better choice. Cheeto only had a few hours to accept the role and did not even know what the storyline was. He commented that he is a comic book fan and had not previously participated in comic-themed films due to the scarcity of Black superheroes, which is unfortunate, but it makes sense. But now he has made a name for himself as James Rhodes, being in all the MCU movies and will bring a new Black superhero to life. The Avengers have a lot of characters, but for this series, we wanted to talk about Nick Fury, who is played by the man who seems like he's in every movie. And by saying that, I'm sure you know who I'm talking about. The one, the only, Samuel L. Jackson. Nick Fury, who was originally drawn as a white man, was in the war, the CIA, and eventually SHIELD, which stands for Supreme Headquarters International Espionage Law Enforcement Division. Nick Fury became the second commander of SHIELD as its public director. The ultimate authority of S.H.I.E.L.D. is revealed to be a league of 12 mysterious men and women who give Fury his orders and operational structure, leaving Fury to manage the actual implementation of these orders and plans. David Hasselhoff portrayed Fury in the Fox television movie Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. in 1998. It was intended to be a backdoor pilot for a TV series, which never materialized. Apparently, they offered the role to George Clooney, but he turned it down because the character is too violent, he said. I think Samuel Jackson played the part great. And I also think George Clooney was a bad choice uh, because Nick Fury is a badass like Samuel. Mark Miller, who is a comic book writer, was responsible for turning Nick Fury black since he has been Caucasian for decades and making him look like Samuel Jackson in the pages of the Ultimate books. Millar had told Business Insider in an interview that he modeled his Fury after Colin Powell, 
full name Colin Luther Powell, who was an American politician, statesman, diplomat, and United States Army officer who served as the 65th United States Secretary of State from 2001 to 2005. He was the first African-American Secretary of State, and Miller envisioned him as a exploitation hero. Miller stated in the interview that Sam is famously the coolest man alive, and both myself and artist Brian Hitch just liberally used him without asking any kind of permission. You have to remember, this was 2001 when we were putting this together. The idea that this might become a movie seemed preposterous, as Marvel was just climbing out of bankruptcy at the time. I think that's pretty cool. I mean, he was already the character before he knew he was. Funnily enough, Jackson was an avid comic reader and was very familiar with the work that Miller had done. Miller was able to hang out with Jackson and asked if he was annoyed that he used his image and likeness for the character. Jackson replied with, fuck no, man. Thanks for the nine picture deal. Yeah, Samuel L. Jackson's pretty cool. So it's no surprise that he's done the character as well as the MCU franchise justice just by being a part of their world. Next in line is Thor, who is the God of Thunder. He was born to the king of Asgardian gods, Odin Borson, and the earth goddess Gaia. He grew up in Asgard under Odin's guardianship and trained Thor to fill his footsteps to one day reign over Asgard. It's not until the third installment of Thor that the Valkyrie, played by Tessa Thompson, comes into the picture. Thor gets sent to another realm and meets her there as he is trying to escape back to Earth. Valkyrie, also known by her Asgardian name Brunhilda, was selected by Odin to lead his personal unit of shield maidens, the Valkyrie. Her skill in battle was legendary, and she is often accompanied by her winged horse, Aragorn, and carries the enchanted sword, Dragonfang. She was, as most of the characters we mentioned today, was white in the comics. But Taika Waititi, who is the director of Thor Ragnarok, where Valkyrie is first introduced, said that he wanted to be more inclusive and provide a broader representation with his Marvel film. Tessa Thompson being selected for this role of the Valkyrie is an example of colorblind casting. I don't think it matters to the story if she's white or black or purple. I don't have much viewing experience of her as an actress, having only seen her in a couple things. But I know she has a large fan base and Marvel seems to like picking actors with existing large fan bases. I've seen her in other things, uh, for example, Dear White People. And to be honest, I didn't really like her or maybe it was her character. But either way, when I saw that she was cast in Thor, I didn't think she was going to be very good. But to my surprise and others, I'm sure she was fabulous. Waititi also stated, the fact that we even have to keep having this conversation is ridiculous because we keep forgetting, he adds. Unless it's the topic of the film, it just shouldn't even be, what do we care? I think the story is king and you want the best person for the job. We cast a very broad net and Tess was the best person. I totally agree with this. I have been saying it forever. I just wish it wasn't such an issue about who the character is played by. You know, the character is part of the story, which the movie is telling. Unless it specifically has to be there, I don't think it should matter. Next on our list is Guardians of the Galaxy. Gamora and Mantis are the two main female characters and the actresses who portray them, Zoe Saldana as Gamora and Palm Clementif as Mantis, are both mixed. Gamora is the last of her species because her planet was destroyed and Thanos found her as a child and decided to use her as a weapon. Gamora was very talented in martial arts and was given the nickname the deadliest woman in the whole galaxy. She is in the first Guardians of the Galaxy because Thanos sent her to find the Infinity Stone that Peter Quill had. Peter Quill is the main character. In the comics, Gamora is green, so anybody could have played her. I know Zell Saldana has been in a lot of things, but I only re really remember her from Guardians of the Galaxy. But I'm sure if I watch another movie, she might be in the background and be like, oh, that's her. Anyway, she's really good as the character. 
So Mantis, who is one of my favorite characters in the movie, is half Vietnamese, half German, and born in Vietnam. So Mantis is able to feel people's feelings and desires and control their mind to an extent. Palm Clementif is the actress who plays her, and she is Canadian. So she was born in Quebec to a Korean mother and a Russian-French father. Mantis is mixed and the actress is mixed, you know, with East Asian and European. I mean, almost close, but yeah, it's cool. Um, okay, so now on to Spider-Man. Okay, Spider-Man Homecoming. So Spider-Man has a best friend in this version of the franchise. His name is Ned Leeds. Uh, he's Peter Parker's classmate who is studying at Midtown School of Science and Technology. So Ned Leeds in the comic book is quite different, though. In the comics, he is a reporter for the Daily Bugle that gets caught following Hobgoblin. So Hobgoblin kidnaps him and brainwashes him in hopes that he could become a replacement. But in the end, he was framed and he died. Ned Leeds in The Spider-Man is played by Jacob Batalon, who is Filipino. Zendaya portrays Mary Ann in this version of Spider-Man. Zendaya is mixed with African-American on her father's side, and her mother has German and Scottish ancestry. When she went to auditions, she straightened her hair to look more MJ-ish, she said. But since the director wanted a more inclusive look, and if you've ever seen her in Spider-Man, you'll notice that her hair is curly and pretty messy at times. I also read that there was an uproar when she was casted. Shocking. Because, you know, fans see the characters in a certain way, and because Zendaya didn't fit that illustration, they got all upset. So James Gunn, the director, explained that he doesn't see the character's physical features as much as the personality of the character. So next up is Doctor Strange, about a man named Dr. Stephen Strange, who is an amazing surgeon, but due to an accident, he lost the ability to use his hands the way he did before and wasn't able to be a surgeon anymore. He went on a quest to find someone who could help his hands, but then came across something much greater. The actor, Benedict Wong, who incidentally plays the character named Wong and is Doctor Strange's sidekick and the Sorcerer Supreme of Earth. Wong is the descendant and lookalike of Khan, a Chinese monk who lived roughly 1,000 years ago and was a student of the occult. Khan was also a skillful warrior who would fight when necessary. When Wong, the character, reached adulthood, the Ancient One, who was played by Tilda Swinton, sent him to the United States to become a servant of his disciple, Doctor Stephen Strange. Wong served Strange for many years and always remains loyal. Benedict Wong is of Chinese descent and was born in Hong Kong. I'm glad that this was the character they chose a Chinese-born actor to portray the Chinese Sorcerer Supreme. He's strong and patient with Doctor Strange, which at times you definitely need to be patient. Wong also has a sense of humor in the series and makes it really fun even when it's serious. I mean, in this instance, like how we just talked about how Tessa Thompson is a Valkyrie and in that instance, it didn't matter race-wise. But in this instance, yes, I think it's, it's good that they, they chose a Chinese person to play a Chinese person. Our next movie is Shang-Chi. Simu Lu is Chinese and da, 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 also Canadian. He was raised in Mississauga. How crazy is that? It's where we also grew up. So anyways, he plays the lead character in Shang-Chi. So Shang was raised by his father to become a deadly assassin and the immortal crime lord and sorcerer Fu Manchu. Shang realized his father was evil and abandoned him after his first assignment. He then began to attack various elements of his father's criminal empire and allied himself with his father's archenemy. Shang-Chi is Marvel's first film with an Asian lead. He was on Saturday Night Live a while ago and he shared with the audience about how he landed the role of Shang-Chi. I will read part of his monologue. 
I'm actually Chinese Canadian, and I'm so happy to be here for the Thanksgiving show, Luke continued. I do have a lot to be thankful for. A lot of people ask me how I landed the role in a Marvel movie. The truth is, I got Shang-Chi how every Canadian gets their big break, by asking politely, for real, for real. Back in 2014, and this is a true story, I tweeted, Hey Marvel, great job with Captain America and Thor. How about an Asian superhero? But I worked hard, Lou said. And five years later, Marvel did make their first Asian superhero movie. And after I got the part, I went online and tweeted, thanks for getting back to me. You know, I never watched uh, Simu Lee. Like, I know he came from Kim's Convenience. But I know that's a very proudly Canadian show, which I also never watched. But I know it did, it did very well. But I, I'm always glad when, when a Canadian, especially a, a non-white Canadian, does well outside of Canada. So kudos to him. He's been doing very well. He's all over the place. He's on TV all the time. He's advertising. What is he doing? Google ads. He's on billboards here. Good for him. Yeah, no, I mean, he got cast as a major Marvel character and those movies, for the most part, always do very well. So next up is Black Panther. So Black Panther was all people could talk about when it first came out. And I know it still has an impact and will continue to. Black Panther is a ceremonial title given to the chief of the Panther tribe of the advanced African nation of Wakanda. In addition to ruling the country, he is also paramount chief of its various tribes, collectively referred to as the Wakandas. The Panther habit is a symbol of office, so a head of state, and it is used during diplomatic missions. The Panther is a hereditary title, but one must still earn it. Chadwick Boseman achieved international fame by playing the superhero Black Panther in the MCU from 2016 to 2019. Unfortunately, Bozeman was diagnosed with colon cancer, and he was private about it, but he still continued to act until he passed away in 2020. Chadwick Bozeman, as I know um, from what I've read and from what I've seen at various award shows and Marvel specials that have paid tribute to him, seemed like a pretty decent guy. And I know how much he loved acting as his craft and spent time perfecting his craft and Basically down until the minute he died, people didn't even realize he was sick. He was like full on acting, doing treatments and whatnot and acting and people didn't know. So that shows a lot about his character and how much he has a passion for acting. It's sad that in this Marvel universe that's going to continue for God knows how long that he's not going to be there anymore. Obviously, there are more Black Panther movies due. There's. There's a lot of strong women that were in that movie, and I would love to see a movie with any of them. I don't know what they're going to do with him, because they said they're not replacing him. So it's going to be, it'll be interesting. And for me, Black Panther is a movie. I thought Black Panther was a visually stunning movie. And like I said, I haven't watched a lot of the MCU movies, but Black Panther was one. I actually made it to the theater to actually go watch it. And I liked it. It's not a movie I would watch like over and over and over again, but... I did like it. Black Panther is something uplifting for black culture. American media often portrayed Africa as not sophisticated and portrayed them as backward, savage and chaotic in most media. And that's why this version of a society that is a bustling metropolis of vibranium powered futuristic skyscrapers, racing trains, soaring spaceships. It's a refreshing change from what we're used to seeing about Africa. Moving on, I just wanted to mention the current show on Disney+. Plus. Miss Marvel, who is played by yet again another Canadian. We're just like thriving in this Marvel universe. Uh, she's a Canadian Pakistani actress. Her name is Iman Vellani. Uh, she was born in Pakistan, but moved to Canada at, at the age of one. And she grew up in Markham. 
I can't believe, I know I keep saying this, but I really can't believe how many Canadian actors are in Marvel. It makes me feel so happy. Miss Marvel is about a 16-year-old Pakistani-American high school student from Jersey City who is an aspiring artist and avid gamer and writes superhero fan fiction about heroes such as Captain Marvel. It introduces a new superhero. He's not only female, she's also Muslim. This lets the viewer, who may not know a lot about Islam, gives them an insight into the beliefs and introduces different ranges of spirituality, which you can see among her family and friends. We hope that going forward, we'll see more of these characters on the screen, as well as using BIPOC individuals to play a character and to do it justice. So one last thing, Melissa, what superpower would you want and why? So I have a list here. Invisibility or invulnerability? Mm, That one's really hard. I think I will go with invisibility, though. Because I think having invisibility can help me. Okay, so super strength or super endurance? I'm going to go with endurance. For me personally, that just works better because I may, there are 24 hours in every day and I must do something with every hour. So on the hour. Endurance. Uh, I would say strength. Endurance is a good one, though. Next, I know what mine would be night vision or underwater to breathe underwater. I think I would choose night vision, but underwater breathing is pretty cool. I think they're both pretty cool, but I'm going to go underwater breather because. Then I could swim places. This is true. Turn into a dolphin. Save a lot of money that way. (laughs) It's true. Time travel or telepathy? I'm time travel all the way. Ooh, I like both of those, but I think I will have to go with time travel as well. Super speed or I probably can't say this, but let's try. Omnilingualism. So that's to understand any language. And that's what I want. Yeah, I'll go with super speed. Time manipulation or immortality? Time manipulation. Sometimes I think immortality. I want to see where we go from here. But I feel like time manipulation can help with immortality. If I learn to master my time manipulation. (laughs) It will create my immortality. So super agility or talking to animals? I would like to be super agile. Me as well. Okay, last one. To fly or mind control? I would say fly. Oh, those are both good, too. I think I'd go with mind control, though. I think I can get more personal gain, as selfish as that makes <laughs> me out of mind control over, I, over flying. So, Well, thank you, everyone, for tuning in tonight. I really hope you learned and enjoyed this topic, because I know I did. We will provide visuals for all of the BIPOC superheroes on our socials. Remember to like, follow, or subscribe to Mixed DNA Podcast wherever you're listening to from right now. And follow us on social media to join the conversation about this week's topic or any of our past topics. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Mixed DNA Podcast. Thanks again, everyone. Bye. Bye.